You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1076 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and I am joined, as often, by Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing well. I appreciate you having me on again. It's my honor, sir. Uh, and we're talking, like I said, on Sunday night into Monday. Um, and, you know, it's still it's still quiet, but as people listen to this on Monday, we'll be two weeks away from media day. So your life will be busier in two weeks. Mine will be busier in two weeks. Hawks fans are excited, especially after what the Falcons did today. Um, I feel like I jinxed it by having Aaron on the podcast last week, and I know if Hawks fans skip that one, I, I understand that it was more just an indulgence than anything else. But uh, the Falcons uh, definitely shift some attention back to the Hawks. I guess that was good. Yeah, I, I don't even. It's just <laughs> it's sad, like sadness, and like I don't know. I just I don't know. I, I don't know why I would get any. You got Tampa next week. I mean that's. Yeah, T- Tampa on the road, and they have a three-day rest advantage, so that's going to be good. Um, anyway, not a Falcons podcast, but that was certainly uh, the mood of the sports-watching public in the city. I got several tweets about how the Hawks were almost going to start, if that makes uh, people, I guess, feel better at this point. Usually, at least in my Hawks extended history, it's usually the Hawks making people feel worse, but not right now. They are uh, the number one sporting franchise. I don't know Braves are playing well right now as well, but the Hawks have people excited. Um and as we talk, uh, you've been on the podcast a couple times already to do these player capsules. Uh, last week we did a couple, uh, in addition to an emergency podcast I did on Thursday night about the uh, newest edition of the Hawks on a non-guaranteed contract in TLC. But uh, today we're going to talk about Skylar Mays and then Troy Young. Uh, I try to balance these as much as I can to where I have the top tier guys with some of the guys who are, uh, we have less to talk about probably overall. And uh, I did spend a lot of time, and I know you did as well writing-wise, in August about Skylar Mays because he's on the summer league roster. Uh, but it's time to sort of go over him a little bit now that he has, of course, uh, signed his tender. He's going to be a, on a two-way contract again this year. Um, for people that may not know his work all that intimately, uh, he's 24 years old already despite being a second-year player out of LSU, second-round pick last year. On the team as a two-way uh, last year, then played in summer league, etc. Um, Zach, what do you make of Skylar Mays? Well, that we'll sort of dive into him a little bit here briefly to sort of cover our bases. But where is your head at with Skylar Mays now, post summer league, and now that we know that he's be back on a two-way? Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought maybe he wouldn't be back if, just because he was a free agent during summer league, and then he played really well. So, and obviously, the Hawks have a lot of depth, you know, pretty much every position now. So I thought. Maybe there would be some team that would, you know, get he would, you know, be able to go there and get like more of a not a guaranteed role, but you know, more of just more of like an opening type thing where you know he could battle compete with people in camp. But I think it's a good result for the Hawks that is having back kind of as just insurance for I mean, the two he really you wouldn't really want to rely on him anywhere, but two guard, I guess, long term and then he can play. I think about 30% of his usage has been that point guard. So he can, you know, facilitate and bring the ball up. But um, I think he's good as, you know, for what he's going to be as like that 14th, 15th man. And then the two way will be good. Also, obviously, with that being so close by, he'll be able to, you know, get more reps and stuff. Yeah. I think that, you know, 
Mays is someone I'm fairly high on, and I think that the Hawks, on the Hawks side, this is a great use of a two-way. Um, I, I kind of, if you're rooting for Scholar, I wanted him to get a little bit more than that, probably get a minimum somewhere, probably. But um, for the Hawks, like he's overqualified, I think, for to be on a two-way. I think he's one of the better two-ways in the league, honestly, in terms of like present-day ability to play for you right now. Like He's not going to be a star, uh, but I think that if they had a couple injuries and they had to use Scholar as a rotation guy, he would be fine. Uh, he's not going to light the world on fire. I don't think, but being that he's an older guy um, for you know being a second-year player and uh, very mature by all counts, uh, you know, famously very smart was like summa cum laude at LSU and like all that stuff. Um, but he's also been pretty solid in the NBA. I mean, it's a very small sample size, about 270 minutes last year, but he was efficient at 57% true shooting. He had 30 assists and nine turnovers. That's pretty uh, a solid ratio. Rebounds well for a guard. Uh, actually averaged more than six rebounds per 100 possessions, which is uh, very, very good, particularly if you're playing at point guard. But even if you're playing at the two, that's pretty good. He's pretty active defensively as well. I thought he was good in summer league. I mean, I know we talked about this offline a little bit, but what did you like? Did you like what you saw in summer league? And obviously it's not really the role he's going to be in, but he was uh, pretty good, I thought. No, yeah. I mean, obviously a completely different role. Um, but no, I thought that's exactly kind of what you want to see. If you're putting a second year guy into summer league or you know in some cases a third year guy you want to see someone that can kind of just get to their spots and do what they do what they do i mean you don't want to see someone go out in summer league and like struggle to get numbers if they're not a rookie so i definitely liked what i saw but at the same time you know i don't think it also obviously changes that much as far as um what you would project from him this season but i do agree with you that He's one of the better two ways, and um, if you're like him, like I said before, I'm kind of surprised no one was interested in like kind of like bending him towards like, you know, competing for like, you know, a 12th or 10th man on a team as opposed to where he's like, he's probably 15 right now on the Hawks, so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is kind of without going down the rabbit hole. It's kind of why two-way contracts are so team friendly. Is that he was still restricted, and I, I, I don't know this to be true, but sometimes I've heard around the late not necessarily on Mays, but on those two-way qualifying offers and being RFA, like if a team is willing to give a qualifying offer to a guy like that, um, they are they're sort of assumed to be willing to match for the minimum. Um, and I think I'm not, I'm not sure if that was the case or not. You know, I think if. I was the Hawks, and Mays got offered a minimum. I probably would have matched it um, or tried to convince him not to sign it and maybe give him his own contract. But that's some, there's sometimes that's part of it, too. Like, Jordan McLaughlin was a famous example last year with, with Minnesota where, like, everyone agreed he was, like, a very overqualified two-way, but nobody tried to sign him, at least, at least not tried hard enough to actually do it. And then a year later, he's signing a three-year deal with Minnesota. And it's because, like, everyone kind of knew they were going to match on any offer, which – it's unfortunate for the player, but it's also good for the team. And that's why two ways, at least that's one of the reasons why two ways are so favorable. But I mean, again, like the part of the appeal with Mays is that he can play both guard spots. Um, with Sharif, it'll be interesting. I'm actually quite intrigued to see how much Skyler and Sharif are playing together in College Park. And that's sort of an offline, sort of diehard thing to think about. But um, given how many guards they have between Trey Young, we'll talk about later, and Lou Williams and DeLon Wright, and then you get into the twos where you already have Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich, like there isn't a lot of playing time. So if you're just like able to send them to College Park, and they played a lot, they played a lot together and also played separately, sort of as a stagger in summer league between Sharif and Scholar. But you know, Scholar can play the one and the two, and that's I think that's 
probably the biggest part of his value other than just like he's not bad at anything he's not a great athlete i wish he was a better athlete in fact if he was a more explosive guy he probably would have gone higher on the draft and all that stuff but he's just somebody that i'm like predisposed to liking because he just does everything well he's just smart and he competes and all that stuff and it's not gonna be sexy but he i just like scholar Mays. i think he's an nba player yeah no i like him too i think as far as the college park stuff i don't know you know who knows how exactly how many times they'll both be in college park for the same game but i think when they are i mean assuming they're both healthy and, and everything's full go i think they would both play a lot and i think ideally you would try to have one of them out there at all times if that makes sense so that's something you know, stagger, I mean, that's, that's, what, you know, that's what summer league was i mean they basically so i mean you stagger as much as you can and yeah. then you know they're both going to play like 30 out of the 40 minutes or whatever Jeez, that was so. essentially without saying it matt hill like you know, acknowledged that was the case i mean they went into every game in summer league when they were both healthy and just that's how they handled it they pulled Skyler first then they brought him back in um and had him be the backup point guard essentially so um we saw him play that role a little bit as you mentioned earlier in the nba last year uh again with with lou and delon wright and sharif as options i don't think you're going to see a ton of skyrimes in the one um but hey uh, we'll see that's just good depth to have if you're the hawks um, anything else you want to add on Skyler before we move on? Because I know it's obviously we've been talking about him a lot all summer, and it's it's still a two way, so I don't want to go crazy. No, I mean I I think we got it. I mean just you know really fortunate thing for the Hawks to have so much talent. And he's you know another. Well, he he might be kind of a small piece of that. He still is you know another luxury they have. It's just like if three guys go down, he's. Still, you know, he, okay, he's gonna play twelve minutes a night. That'll be fine. And he's like, an NBA, yeah, he's an NBA player, yeah. which is uh, not a lot. Of, not a lot of teams have like their sixth guard, seventh guard that I would like as much as Skylar Mays. That's that's a it's a small thing. Yeah, like if he if he had to play fifteen minutes, it, it wouldn't really matter that much, which is good. I mean, that yeah, there's a lot of guys you couldn't say that about on two way contracts. So. That's absolutely right. Uh, good insurance. All right, before we get to Trey Young and uh, a lot of discussion about the Hawks centerpiece, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and iPerspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. 
It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Zach, let us dive in to Trey Young. Of course, he is the Hawks centerpiece uh, recently of a Max extension that could kick up to uh, the Supermax with an All-NBA appearance this year. Um, before we dive into like some defensive stuff and offensive stuff, I'll just set the stage a little bit here bit by saying um, Trey was one of the very small handful of players that was top 15 in the league last year in points and assists. He was 14th in points, second in assists for the second straight season, uh, led the league in free throws uh, for the entire season, uh, and also, just broadly speaking, the best player on a conference finalist. And he turns 23 years old next week. So... I think everyone knows at this point, listening to this podcast, that Trey Young is a superstar. There's no question about that. But uh, there was some lingering doubt in some circles uh, in the playoffs. He was awesome in the playoffs, which, which we'll talk about later on as well. But, I mean, you can't really ask for much more than what Trey Young has already done. And I think that the ceiling is sky high. And clearly, it's not that he's locked up. He was not going to get away anyway. But he's not under contract for five more seasons this year, plus four more before the player option even kicks in. So, uh the future is very bright with Trey Young at the uh, middle of it all in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously that's the main reason, you know, the Hawks are uh, what they are and, you know, kind of, you know, I made it as far as they made it last year, obviously with him going crazy in the playoffs. Um, But I think you wanted to talk about something off the court before we got into all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I forgot to tease it, but, uh, being that it was only a couple days ago, I, I will admit I am not the biggest WWE fan. I used to watch it a lot, actually, when I was younger, and I'm kind of out now. But I see, it, I see it enough on Twitter to know. And uh, I started getting tweets. I was not watching TV. I started getting tweets a couple nights ago about uh, Trey Young making an appearance in the wrestling world on, I think it was Friday night, I want to say, uh, at MSG. And uh, I'm sure Hawks fans will have seen the video by now of Trey both doing an entrance and like really playing the heel role and also like participating in wrestling activities, uh, which was very, very funny. Um, I was trying to get you or someone at Peace Hoops to write about this because it would have been very funny. It would have been very funny content. Uh, but Zach, do you have uh, do you have wrestling takes? Because I, I thought Trey did a good job for what he was asked to do and also just perfect stuff because it was in New York at MSG where he uh, had his coming out party of sorts and uh, they don't seem to like him up there. This was brilliant. Whoever put this together, as far as, like, let's have Trey show up when we go to MSG. I mean, I definitely wasn't keeping up with this tour or anything. I did not know that WWE was going to be in MSG on Friday. So completely took me off the radar. I wasn't home uh, to write it. And, um, yeah, the moment just kind of passed before Shameful. I, I was around. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> I mean, if anybody, you know, people that should not be named want to tell me in advance that Trey's going on WWE, then, you know, I'll be more prepared next time. But no, it was, it was great. Honestly, I, I, I sent one tweet. I just, I said it was tremendous. And uh, I, I really thought it was great. I, mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I thought it, it was good awareness by him. Uh, he seemed to really enjoy himself. 
Uh, it's good PR. Like he just, you know, every blog rounded that up basically and was like, look, Trey Young's uh, on wrestling right now. Uh, so it's good. It's just good like to get his name out there. He's got, he's got the shoe out there now as well. It's good to uh, get his name and get his uh, promotion vehicle. He just did a good job. Like, he was making funny faces and playing to the crowd. And, uh, you know, a lot of, maybe not a lot, part of his uh, breakout party was the fact that he did play out. He sort of did play into it a lot in New York. And, you know, given at that point in time, we didn't know they were going to win two series and then take the Bucks to uh, the brink as well. But, like, it was like, okay, Trey Young is a superstar, and we knew that. But people nationally, like, I think noticed for the most, uh, I guess the, the biggest time at MSG in New York in the first round. And then uh, going back there a couple months later, it was just great. So, uh, shouts to all of them. Anyone who made, whose idea that was, uh, good on you. Yeah, and I don't know. Trey definitely... It does it's not going to hurt him at all to lean into the rivalry with New York as much as possible. Cause I mean, Ooh. I just, obviously we know how New York is going to be covered. So if you're, you know, if they hate you more than they hate anyone else, then you're on Christmas day. And yeah, he's know. like, he's like, the, uh, it's too early to be too early for this, but if he becomes the Reggie Miller, uh, for this generation in New York, that would be a good thing for him. Uh, I think all things considered. So yeah. And a great, uh, it'd be great for, you know, for the Hawks as well as a brand. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the Knicks have not been, like, super relevant for a long time in the NBA, but they are covered a lot, and they were better last year. And uh, MSG, even as, like, a separate entity almost, is covered a lot, um, even when the Knicks are bad. So, like, all those things combining is probably good news for Trey, and that was good. I'm glad you reminded me because I'd forgotten. Um, Okay, before (laughs) we dive into – Just one – this is not really 100% 100 on the WWE, but – would you say when was the last time the Hawks were uh, this high of like a not only a, like a skill and like you know competitiveness standpoint, but just as like as far as like media attention, and everything? When have the Hawks been this high up in the NBA hierarchy? Like, before? um, hmm. I mean. You could either if you didn't argue January 2015. Uh, that would be the only time since I've been covering the team that it's even close. So, like, you could maybe argue that when they were literally undefeated for the month and all that stuff that happened, the player of the month thing and all that. Uh, that's, like, more on the court, though, and obviously they didn't have a whole lot of, like, extracurricular stuff to cover, and they didn't have a famous player like Trey. Uh, before that, I mean, honestly, I, I, before that, I mean, they were really good at times, but they were never, like, in the zeitgeist like that. Maybe there was a time in the Steve Smith days when they were, like, you know, not quite the uh, LOL Hawks stage where they have a chance to, like, make the conference final. They never actually did it. Um, maybe, you go back, maybe you go back to Neek if you want to be a doomsday person and just be like, all right, they had never done this in 30 years. I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I don't really have a good answer for you. I, I know since I've been covering the team, the only time that it's even debatable – was that one month in January 2015. And that was really just NBA diehard stuff, not crossover appeal. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of crazy. Like, obviously Atlanta is a basketball city, but, you know, people debate if it's like a Hawk city, you know, because whenever LeBron or someone comes, like just how, you know, those people are received in Atlanta and stuff. So I think that could be changing though. I mean, I thought, you know, we were obviously both there at some of the Philly games and, and um, I just felt like it was way more Atlanta, you know, and just like I think there's a younger like 
kind of overall crowd that's like obviously Trey is a huge part of like drawing that but I don't know it's it's kind of crazy like when you just look at it from like the complete like because obviously we focus so hard on like each little small thing on the team but when you the season's starting up and you kind of see how people are receiving the Hawks it's just kind of uh, it's definitely just way more different because last year people didn't have, feel like this. You know, it was more of a mid-season oh, no. thing. So. Yeah. It was really, I mean, it was honestly a late season into the playoff thing for some. I mean, we've talked about it offline a lot. I probably talked about it on the podcast too. Like, this is not the the Atlanta the Atlanta city of NBA versus Hawks stuff has been played out for a long time. But, you know, it's weird for me in a good way because I'm just my entire life, both as a fan, when I was a fan, like he's a ticket holder, and then now covering the team for, you know, basically a decade now. It's like, it's weird for them to be as popular as they are in the city. And it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, it's obviously a good thing. Trey is a big, uh, probably the biggest part by far of that. But yeah, I mean, in the playoffs, it was a different buzz in the playoffs last year, not just because they went further. Because even in the Philly series, like you said, even when even in the Knicks series, like it was a different level of Hawks buzz than there was even in 2015. Um, it was just different. So I think people are jumping on, and I think maybe thinking it's going to be a longer thing because maybe because because of Trey, because it's a young team and all that. So yeah, I mean the buzz factor, um, you know, WWE aside, <laughs> is pretty significant. I think people are picking the Hawks to be good, and that's part of it too. But um, making that run and having you know identifiable players and then uh, a centerpiece that has his own shoe is uh, different for sure. Yeah, no, we get we get moving to trade, but you know I just just since it's like that time of the year. I no, just, you're right. No, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we did that. That was actually a, a little bit of a, a jaunt that I that I think was good. Um, I want to start with defenses, which is now we're getting back to my brand. Uh, Trey's defense is not the biggest factor with him. In fact, it's been probably overplayed in a big way. Um, I will say this to start with, and I did talk about how awesome he was last year already. I think defensively he took a pretty noticeable step forward. Um, like he's still, by the metrics, is graded as a pretty bad defender, and I think that's not really up for debate. Like I think over the full season he's not very good. But he's no longer – if you ever believe this, and I'm, I really kind of didn't other than maybe sometime of his rookie year, it's kind of hard to be as bad as people thought that he was at point guard. Um, point guard defense is just not that important. But even if you – don't even take that into account. I don't. I don't think he's that bad anymore. Like, you know, he was like 20th percentile on EPM. The Hawks were bad with him on the floor. Um, not bad. Um, they were not as good with him on the floor defensively as they were on the floor. But I will say this: they had a 109.6 defensive rating when he played with Capella, and that's obviously a big qualifier because Capella was awesome. But they proved last year for me. I wonder if you agree with me. They proved that. They can you can build at least a solid not maybe not maybe not a great defense but they proved they, that you could build it's possible to build a solid defense around Troy Young which was a question I'm not I'm not sure it was a huge question but um, it it took Capella being awesome probably for some of that to happen but it's no longer like he's gonna just carry defense by himself which I think is a, a pretty big step I mean. You know, I mean, the dudes are gonna score anyways. That's how I feel about this. Like, you're an offense guy. I know this about you. It's okay. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's very, very important, but like, for Trey, it's just about rotating and having effort and stuff. Like, I mean, he he had some pretty like random post defense. I think didn't he like get a stop on Giannis in the post one time? Yeah, there were a couple of defensive highlights from Trey in the playoffs, which is good. I mean, he, he's active when he when he's trying. When, when he's trying, oh, he's like a pest. For. 
Yeah. The only thing you can can say about Trey on defense is a couple of times, you know, in his career, he's he gives away stuff that you can't give away. Like it can't be that easy, you know. And then that's just the stuff like when you don't rotate and if someone gets a layup or you just, you know, you're tired and you maybe don't, you know, he's small, so he has to be active and competing. So I think he's completely fine. And like, if he gets better, that's great. If he doesn't, I mean, it's on the Hawks to put the team around him that can yeah, play defense. You, you have to, you have to surround him. And that's the case with almost any like star point guard. That's a small point guard. Like, other than maybe like Chris Paul in the last 10, 15 years, you kind of have to just take that into account. Like he's going to be a pretty bad defender, like Dame Lillard, bad defender. Um, there are guys that are like that. And, you know, Kyrie's not a good defender. And like, it is what it is, but he, he could he, be, he could be like Kyrie one day though, in the sense of like um, calling stuff out and like, you know, even like LeBron in the uh, mental sense, cause he's so smart and he reads the floor so well. Right. Whenever he can mature a little bit and kind of stop just like worried about, you know, whatever one thing that he's being asked to do. Um, he, he can still like be fine without being like big or anything. Like, I, I think that might be something you might see this season. And, you know, I'd love to, to uh, get him like mic'd up or something or whatever they do. But uh, <laughs> I feel like he, that's like a next kind of evolution for him is to like, you know, he only, I feel like Capella kind of quarterbacks on defense more than anyone from what I can tell. And uh, I don't know, it'd be good to see Trey like get a little more vocal. Cause obviously, you know, he can see stuff like oh his his feels great um always and you know it's definitely a you know the the big and particularly when it's capella is the quarterback of the defense and that's probably not, that's not going to change but uh i do think that your point's a good one like trey he feels the game very well even defensively um it's improved over the course of his career already and he can't be locked in physically like in terms of like his his best defensive traits other than his feel or, like, his ability to, like, jump passing lanes and, like, just be a, an active pest. And you can't really ask him to do that for 82 games with his offensive workload. It's just, like, not realistic. But he's gotten stronger, too, physically, which I think you could see on both ends of the floor, which definitely helps. And then it's just basically don't get run over and don't fall asleep. It's, it's the little things to where you go from being, you know, one of the worst defenders in the league to just merely below average, and that's that's fine. That, that gap is – it's not that big, but it's also meaningful. And I think he's kind of shown, at least for a little while, um, that he can he can be that. And the numbers don't lie. I mean, if you're going to put him with bad defenders around him, the results will be bad. But if you play him with Capella and hopefully, you know, Kongwu, if he comes into, uh, into his own, if you have an, an anchor with him – and some pretty solid wings around him, it's totally fine. Like, you want to avoid playing him with, like, Lou and, like, disasters elsewhere. But if as long as his situation, and I think Nate is a good defensive coach. Like, we kind of know that. His baselines in Portland um, and Indiana, of course, even back to Seattle, were, like, pretty solid. Like, he knows how to coach defense. And that whole infrastructure is, uh, is pretty good. So I, I wanted to leave with it just in part to say that, like, Trey has come a long way defensively. Even if he's not great, that's, that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It might. I don't even know if it'll cost Sox a game the entire season. I mean, it's like to the way they built the roster. You can't just like. I really haven't seen teams just that often just like completely abuse him. Like in the last like, in the second half of the season, I can't think of that many times that he was just like, you were just watching the Hawks thinking, oh, that like 
they're just getting killed right there because of Trey. I mean, it happened way more often in his first two years where I feel like now with the personnel and with Capella and Collins and all the big guys they have that we probably already talked about it too much. <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter that much. No, I, I want to leave yeah. with it in part just to knock it out because I, uh, yeah, I no, to agree. for sure. I, I don't worry about it anymore, which I think is actually noteworthy. That's the, that's really what I, the angle that I'm trying to come come yeah. out here because it was it was talked about a lot and I talked about it a lot too. Like it it it, it was bad. It's still kind of bad, but like point guard defense, he doesn't kill you. He just he just doesn't most of the time. And um, granted, the playoff matchups were not the most difficult defensively for the Hawks. But even in the playoffs, where that was kind of a concern, like he didn't really get picked on a ton. Like, and that's huge. I mean, just don't get yourself killed defensively, and he didn't. And that's uh, not a small thing. And that that Buck series is a big challenge with the size. I think that's really hurt them. That um, Bogdanovich was kind of banged up or whatever, and then also obviously not having Hunter and then Reddish kind of being like on the mint. Like they didn't know if they wanted to play Reddish or not. They definitely could have used more of their, like, big ball handlers for that series just to give Trey a break because Holiday and Middleton, all those guys, like, I feel like those games, I mean, he still was ridiculous. He had, like, 48, and then the game he turned his ankle, he had, like, didn't he have, like, 35 late in the third quarter or something when he stepped on the ref? Yeah, he was uh, enjoying himself offensively, so. So it wasn't like they were getting to him, but no, just uh, – if you wanted to just say one, like maybe red flag, obviously a playoff series, a tough matchup, you have to deal with these people over and over again. But I think they are, if they're healthy, they're built to deal with that. Yeah. Unless you get a series in a series where you're playing against LeBron and like, he's just relentless at going at the same guy over and over again. Like we, we saw that he didn't get killed defensively. So that's, that's a good thing. All right. Before we go back to the offense, a word from our sponsors on the show today. And the first of which is rockauto.com. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, Zach, let's go to the offensive end. Obviously the uh, more important and better end for Trey. Um, I'll start here. The Hawks had a 118.2 offensive rating with Trey Young on the floor last season in the regular season. That is uber elite, and that's just with any combination around him, that's just with him on the floor last season. Uh, and that tells you that he's an offense almost to himself at this point. He is one of the, I don't even know, conservatively one of the 10 bus offensive players in the league probably. Um, he can carry a team on that end of the floor and, you know, we can go into his profile and what he was able to do individually and all that stuff, but I think that's the most important thing uh, in my mind is that, you know, when you have a guy like that that can captain your offense and just make you good offensively, uh, that is 
you can't overstate how important that is. That he, and he's been able to kind of just display now, um, I think for more than just last season, but especially last season, that he just is an offense by himself. He's never missing the All-Star game again. The fact that, okay, let's do, let's do this now. The fact that he was not an All-Star last year, we, I know I did, I know you did too. I, I ranted about this at the time. I thought it was absurd. Uh, it looks preposterous now. Like, I mean, it, again, we, we kind of already knew that it did, but it's so funny. I was looking at the basketball reference page for this, for this podcast, doing some prep, and I was like, man, he really did make the All-Star team last year. Like, that really happened. I had, uh, to, sque- I had to squeeze a bonus in there one more time. Oh, uh, yeah, shots fired. But, hey, no. That was, I, mean, I, I love Sabonis, but like, get out of here. Sabonis and, Vooch, Sabonis and Vooch, uh, not not great. Um, but yeah, uh, no question. I, I think the individual accolades will follow. Uh, we, you know, there's an All NBA discussion to be had at some point, especially with the contract. That we'll probably stay for later. But uh, you know, him. <laughs> there is some talent around him for sure. But like I said, that that 118 number is regardless of who is around him. And it wasn't like it was always perfect last year with all the injuries. And any time he played, they were going offense. That's just real. And the record isn't even an excuse either because no, you should be able to like recognize how much he's doing for that team. Whether he, even if the wins are not quite there, it was number dumb. one. Number one, it's the <laughs> East. So like, who is even winning that much to where you can say like, oh, the Atlanta Hawks don't belong in the class of the Indiana Pacers, like. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They were acting like it was just like, oh, they're just losing games and he's just scoring a lot. And it's like, it's exactly what Sabonis is doing. <laughs> it's like it was, uh, it was extremely dumb. And I think you're right. I think it will never. Well, I hope it will never happen again because he is clearly a uh, an all star and will play like it. I'm sure. Um, wh- what did you make of like his shooting stuff? Because like he's shooting less at the rim than he was uh, early on in his career. Last year was career high in attempts in like floater range, mid range area. He was awesome on long twos last year. 53% is like ridiculous. And 47% on floaters, which is also quite good. His floater is obviously a huge weapon for him. But do you worry at all? He took fewer threes too. Like, does any of that worry you? Because he was still able to be efficient, but I know there was a lot of attention paid like to him taking less threes, and I didn't even really realize that the rim frequency was, rim frequency was down until I was looking at it. So um, it's not the most analytically friendly uh, <laughs> shot profile right now for Trey, but when you're as good as he is at the other stuff, I guess it doesn't really matter, but does any of that worry you at all? Well, I, I, I would be curious. Do they count? When he draws fouls at the rim, does that count into the rim stats? Or no, no, it doesn't, which is a good point. Because uh, okay. that, that's, that's just shot attempts that actually count as shot attempts. Um, so I guess if he, make, if he makes like an and one, that counts because it's a field goal. Yeah. Um, but not in terms of the overall attempts. So. Okay, so I feel like they're a little bit slanted then because he obviously draws, draws yep. so many fouls. But, good point. And I, also, if they're not going to – he might have more attempts at the rim this season if they actually – Stop calling all his fouls. Well, not all his fouls, but all, you know the ones that everyone loves to complain about. Do you do you care about that while we're here? Because like I don't think it's going to matter a lot for Trey. I really don't. I think there might be a couple calls he doesn't get early in the season, and he'll just then he'll adjust. But there's this notion out there that he's going to like be hugely affected by that by the foul stuff. I don't really buy it. Do you think that matters at all? No, he just won't. He just won't waste possessions doing that. He doesn't need that. I mean, no. Like agreed. <laughs> I mean, some of them are still going to be fouls anyways. If he stops and shoots and you hit him in the back, I mean, I don't Yeah, a, a lot. I, I will say a lot of the fouls that people think are going to go away for Trey because of the new rules, if you actually look at the rules, are not going to go away. 
like so basically uh, all in my opinion which he you know i don't know i'm not like saying it's like this cut and dry but the rule is gonna be that you can't like jump backwards into a jump shot right that's one of them yeah so if you stop and shoot I mean, there's no way they can make a rule against dribbling in, jump stopping, and shooting. If the person hits you in the back, that's their fault. If you just, if you don't jump backwards, if you just jump stop, and they are not fast enough to stop, that's not your fault. Yes. So that's a lot of them. He just won't be able to sell it. If he sells it, there'll be a foul on him. I mean, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Uh, I would agree. Um but you know it's his shooting numbers like he was still the same efficiency 59 from true from true shooting got to the line a ton like i said led the league in free throws free throw um attempts uh, maybe not attempts but he definitely made, led the league in makes um and the thing is i think we all know it but i'll just say it just for the sake of saying it out loud he shoots 89 percent from the free throw line and that is a huge weapon i mean a lot of guys shoot well from the line uh trey is an elite free throw shooter both not only in attempts, but also in accuracy. And when you shoot near 90%, it's just a huge efficiency booster. And then, like, I know we all know he's a good free throw shooter, but like 89% is really good. <laughs> like, yeah, he's getting his attempts so many ways too. Like obviously he gets them, you know, going to the rim on the floaters, et cetera. But he also just always has the ball in his hands. So if you're ever in the bonus and you just make any kind of mistake, he's always there to like, make sure he draws that contact and like people notice. So he's just, he's such a way he's like Chris Paul in that way. He might not be like Chris Paul on defense, but as far as in the way of like scheming points and like scamming your team into like fouls and just, you know, lulling you to sleep, walking up the floor so he can shoot two more free throws. I mean, he does have a lot of CP three in his game in that respect. Yeah, no, uh, it's the creativity. He's always, had great feel and he is just really smart. I mean, it's, you can't fake it when you're that size. And um, he's always been small, which I think has helped him in this regard. Like he's had to, he's had to be crafty and he's had to figure it all out. And he plays the angles beautifully and we've said it all, but I mean, just get, not only getting to the line, but making them at a rate that he makes them uh, really helps efficiency because last year, I mean, quietly, he didn't shoot as well from the, from the floor or from three. Um, it just, and it didn't really matter because he shot that well free throw line. Because honestly, I think last year might have been like a low bar for his um, shooting from the floor. Like on twos, it was actually uh, similar to the year before, 49% down from 50% of the year before. On threes, 34%. I think he's going to basically do that or better. Like I can't imagine him shooting worse than that from the floor and from three. So if you factor that in plus the free throws, like the efficiency is going to stay stable or even or even improve i think i probably would be on an improving honestly yeah and i think some people um even some national people i think were kind of like around the time he didn't make all-star people were down on him because his three-point volume was down but i gotta i think him not averaging you know i mean his second season he averaged 29.6 he basically averaged 30 and 10 so but this year he had or the past season he had teammates like a, a complete roster of people that needed their shots. And I think him just those three attempts were mostly just, you know, three less that he just kind of walked into because the Hawks had enough talent to like have it, you know, a full game of real possessions. They didn't need to, you know, there weren't as many games where Trey had 
30 out of the first 70 points and like you know he's just doing everything i feel like he especially you know as the hawks kind of went into that hot stretch down the season he kind of like just fully trusted everyone and and that's kind of you know whenever they started playing so well yeah i i just don't care about his about his counting stats like they went down, and the assist, the assist actually ended up being a little bit higher, a touch higher than last year. But the scoring, I don't think he was ever going to consistently average 30 a game if he had quality teammates. And this last year, he had quality teammates. And that's not, a, that's, not a, that's not a knock on him. He just shot the ball less, and he probably needed to shoot the ball less. That's just reality. I mean, his usage rate was almost as high. He's still, like, the top five or six in usage rate in the league. He's not like he's going to not have the ball in his hands. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't love – the less three-point volume, because I think it's, um, you know, this is a very minor concern, but, you know, Nate, Nate McMillan especially does not mind mid-range, almost, like, probably likes it too much in my view. And that just, that goes beyond Trey. It was, you know, Bogey and Herter. There's a lot of there's a lot more mid-range jumpers now. And that's not the worst thing in the world, because those guys are all good at shooting them. But I would like to see Trey get his three-point volume a little bit up higher. But, like, in the grand scheme, I don't really care. I just think it's, like, if you ask me, is it better for Trey to shoot, you know, eight threes per game or six? I'll, I'll say eight, just blindly. But that's not even it's, again, not not a huge deal. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it'd be better, like you said, if he shoots. But it's not like, you know, I mean, he's just doing whatever. He's just making the right plays in his mind. Oh and yeah, and honestly, he's and the thing is, if you want to be critical, uh, there is a question about like how how good of a three point shooter he actually is. And I don't really know because the 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 um the shot quality in terms of like the difficulty is the word I'm looking for. The difficulty of his attempts is very high. Like yeah, but that se- per- his long mid range percentage is what truly tells you how good of a shooter. And he is yeah, my, and it's really my, good. I mean, and that's the and thing. His uh his his open corner three percent and stuff like that. Like he's a insane if he sh- shooter. Yeah, if if he shoots uh if he's open catch and shoots or um the uncontested stuff like. His numbers are quite good on threes. It's that he takes a lot of tough shots, and that's that's part of the deal when you're talking about a number one option. That's sort of the thing with like Dame Lillard, famously. Like he's only been like a 37 percent three point shooter in his career, and like no, every sh- and everyone agrees he's an elite shooter. Everyone he's, is like shoots from a different neighborhood. That's what I'm saying. Else, like so. everyone agrees it's like Dame's this awesome shooter. Look at the stats, like nah, but it's it's volume, volume and accuracy are different things. And Trey's a good shooter. There's no question about it. I I, I think. Uh, I would project him to improve again from three. Like year one, 32%, year two, 36%, last year, 34%. I would probably take the over on that. Maybe not by a ton because of the uh, difficulty, but that's kind of where I am on his shooting. I mean, and then, the, and then the, there's also the assists. And, you know, number two in the league two years in a row, he actually averaged almost 14 assists per 100 possessions last year, which is a career best. Uh, you know, he's the best passer in the league under the under six six like without without question in my mind at this point i mean chris ball's the only other guy that's in the discussion for me um and there's an argument as like who's the best passer in the league between like you know you got lebron still playing and Jokic and trey and all that stuff but at a minimum he's an uber elite passer and we, we all kind of know that but it's sometimes i think it's still underrated i mean i always say this i, th- I think that's still his number his most underrated trait is the fact that he is as good of a passer as you will find yeah, no, I mean, people get, like, intoxicated with this, the scoring, but, I mean, it's really the passing and the scoring complement each other so much. I mean, he's such a threat after, like, 
a few minutes playing defense against him, you just kind of watch teams fall apart. And yeah, he was even doing that. Like I remember one game, I think it was the second year of his career when OKC came and they had Paul George and Westbrook and they were supposed to be like, you know, all this really good. And the Hawks dropped like 140 and had no answer. I mean, PG was trying to guard him. And so it's just, he just kind of has that way about him where like he has an answer for pretty much anything you come up with on defense. And as long as you have that on your team, uh, you're you're pretty much going to have a chance to win every game. So. Yeah. It goes back to the thing at the very beginning about how he's an offensive himself. And it really is true. Like, you know, the passing unlocks everything else, and he's obviously an elite scorer too. But it's, I, I still think that if you made me choose if he's a better scorer or passer, I would say passer, which is not a shot at his scoring. I just think he's not going to be a passer. Well, and it's like Stan B.A., so obviously you have other good players. So, like, if other people are rolling, it's kind of insane how good, like, he's kind of like Steph or Harden or, you know, whatever guard you want to pick in that way that, like, if you get a couple other guys going, your team is almost unbeatable if they have their average game. Yeah, no, I, uh... I mean, and like if say like Bogdanovich and Herter both go above, you know, if they go a good bit above their average game, and Trey just has twenty five and nine, I mean, you're gonna win ninety percent of those games. Oh, for sure. Um... So it's just, I mean, he's. I don't know where I, I'm really curious to see what I mean. We should be getting those top hundred lists pretty I soon. I was, right? I was, I was literally gonna ask you um, at some point on the show. So let's, let's just do it now. Uh, where do you think he's going to land? Because, you know, the only one that I've seen, it's not, not even really a top 100, is the uh, the Seth Partnow tier rankings. And he was, like, in the tier of, like, it was, like, 17 to 20, basically. That, that's not that's not how Seth does it, but if, if you do the math, that's, like, where he ended up. But, yeah, I've not really seen, you know, the ESPN, Sports Illustrated, all the top 100s that usually happen. And they'll be coming in the next couple weeks, almost certainly. I need, him, I need him to be 16th so I can pull up the tweet where he was 16th out of the top 25 under 25. I mean, honestly, that's, <clears> your, <throat> that's like your favorite tweet of all time. And I, I agree. It's it's a fantastic thing. Because, I mean, when you think about it, Zach, that was like... April. That was six months ago. Not even six months ago. And he was 16th on the under 25 list by ESPN. It's so stupid. Like It was insane. And it's not even to say anything about anyone else on that list, but show me, just look at the usage and the efficiency and just show me anybody else on the list, really. I mean, there's like two or three people that are doing that. And like, fine, put them above him. I don't care. It's not about that. It's just, there's so many people on that list who are like fringe role players. Like they're not even like stars on their own teams. Like it just didn't even make sense, but whatever. Uh, I I know you love it, but I'll be curious too, because I think he's going to be a lot, obviously a lot higher now that he's gotten the national exposure breakout of the playoffs. And I, I do think that it matters that he was able to erase any doubt really in the playoffs because there was still, I'm sure for some, some lingering stuff about how he would fare in the playoffs. And he wasn't quite as efficient as a scorer, but part of that's that they faced the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Bucks, And those are three of the top, like, seven defense in the league last year for the most part so that's part of that and he was still able to put up numbers and be pretty efficient and answer all those questions so like i mean is, is he gonna be in the top 15 i don't think he's been much higher than that just because of the way these lists work but if you i mean i can tell you this if he's outside the top 25 on any of these lists hawks fans are gonna burn the place down that's just gonna that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen I, i'm gonna hope for parody's sake that he is 16th and then I can pull up, the, like I said, the tweet from six months ago where he was 16th. 
It would be very funny. I will agree with you. I, if I had to guess, he's going to be around there, honestly. That's that's what season. I'm saying. Like, I actually just would, if you told me to guess, I would just guess 16. Honestly, please. I'm about to look this up because I'm sure that we wrote it um, last year at Peaster Hoops when we were talking about this. Uh, oh, where is it? I can't find it off the top of my head real fast. I should look, I should look this up. Um, about where Trey was before last season on somebody's list. I'm not sure they did. Did they, did they even do those lists last year? Oh, there they are. Okay. Uh, great. This is great podcasting, I know. But I'm honestly intrigued because last year, Trey was number 29 at ESPN. Which actually wasn't like, a, that wasn't ridiculous in my mind. That was like, not unbelievable. I mean, I think I described it in the post I'm reading. That's that a I good wrote. baseline, though. There's no way he's not going to be top 20 now. Yeah. I and mean, also, also, how in the hell do you rank him? 29th in the league in December and then 16th under 25. I mean, I'm sure it was di- that, that's a different panel, but I agree with you overall still. Uh, like, how did that doesn't even make sense? It, it is funny though, because I, I do remember this vividly that Hawks fans thought that was way too low at 29 last year. And if anything, you know, I think he's more established national. And I, and I know he, the, the counting stats were lower in year three and famously he didn't make the all star team. But I do think that his his profile nationally is higher now than it was a year ago. Um, so yeah, I'm right. I'm gonna guess top twenty uh, for most places. Um, and I will also say this: wherever he lands, Hawks fans will think he's too low. And I get it because he's he's awesome. So I just read the rest of that post, and that Capella wasn't even on the top hundred list last year. Well, it's because he hadn't played. But yes, I, I thought that was that was. All, I think I described that as being strange in the post. Um, but I assume it's because he didn't play. Um, yeah, that's fine. He's going to be like 50 again. I, I mean, we, we talked about all these guys. We talked about Capella already on this on this series. Yeah. And I think for the most part, um, the guys I'm most intrigued to see where they land on those top 100 lists um, are Trey. Collins. Are Trey. I'm not even really Collins, honestly. I think I'm more intrigued by where Bogey lands. Well, they put Collins 84 last year after he was 47 the year before. I feel like he'll be back up where he was before. And he should be. I mean, I don't even know why he dropped that much. These don't matter. I can already, I can already hear Tower Jones yelling that I'm talking about rankings right now on this podcast. But uh, it's going to be. It doesn't really matter. I just, particularly with Trey, it's a, it's, it's a small barometer, but it's also a barometer of like how people think about where he is. Because I think he's very obviously a all star um, perennially now, and I mean. Get ready, Hawks fans, for a lot of Trey Young All NBA conversation, like way more than in previous years, because it, it now actually matters financially. Like this is a huge, huge thing as to whether Trey makes All NBA this year. And bizarrely, the team would never say this, but the team benefits if he doesn't make it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a very weird thing there. I would guess he probably does if the Hawks do what they think what, what they should do this year. But All-NBA is a lot less certain. I think All-Star is going to happen, and it should have happened last year. But All-NBA is going to be fun to monitor all year long. I think he's going to make it. I mean, I think he's going to – I think he might He might push 30 points per game this year, actually. I, I, I would guess he doesn't just because they have so much no, else. I, th- I think he could be around like 27, though. Oh, sure. No, th- none of that would surprise yeah. me. If he averaged 30, it wouldn't surprise me. I just – I have a hard time predicting that just because of how many mouths there are to feed now. And I mean, we have to assume knock on wood that they're a little healthier than last year. Um, Cause they were so banged up other than, I mean, even Trey uh, had missed, you know, 
he had that ankle that we thought was going to be like out for a month, and he missed like a week. But he did miss a week, so week plus. Alas, uh, anything else you want to say about Trey Young? We, we could probably talk about Trey for two hours, but I'm trying not to go crazy on these podcasts because he always comes up anyway. He's obviously a number one topic of conversation <laughs> on the show. Uh, but anything you want to add? Feel free. No, I mean I think you know we covered it. Obviously, he's most important part of the team. Uh, he's one of the you know best guards in the league, and you know he's going to be there again. He'll be 23 next week. He turns 23 on September 19th. So. Uh, crazy that he's still that young and as good as he is and um, the extension does not even start till next year so he's going to be around for a long time and that's uh, obviously a blessing for Hawks fans um, alright that'll do it for today's podcast Zach please plug anything you have going on at Peace Groups I know you guys have been uh, preparing diligently for the season yeah we're maybe a third of the way through the player preview series right now we've been through you know Solomon Hill Shreve Cooper Kong Wu Skylar Mays, you know, six or seven guys, I think, so far. And we'll be continuing to roll that out um, ahead of media day. And then hopefully, you know, we get some of these top 100 lists to uh, to sort through or something to get us into preseason. But you can find me at ZHood underscore on Twitter and then obviously at Peace Troops um, for all the stuff from all of our you know, great staff. So appreciate you having me on again. Uh, my pleasure, sir. And uh... – the most on-brand thing of all time was that Glenn wrote the Solomon Hill player preview. So thank you for doing that. I didn't uh, know that was coming because I'm not a part of the day-to-day anymore, but uh, I, I I laughed out loud. I was like, well, at least this is Glenn because this needed to be Glenn. So yeah, uh, that's, just, I mean, that's, that's just good editing by you. Congratulations. I, 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 he signed up for it. I just sent out the list. And, <laughs> it needed to be, and it, he's the only person in the world that I needed to do that preview. Would have been glad. I mean, so. I, I was looking. So when I sent out the list, you know, I know people are going to sign up for Trey and all that. But like I looked at, when I looked at Solo, I was like, all right, either Glenn's going to do that or I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> and, and Glenn Gl- did it. And shots Glenn Willis, the legend himself. For coming, I, did, I didn't tell him to though. Like he just, I believe. No, I, I believe you. I, yeah. Glenn is a Solomon Hill enthusiast, as am I. So, and uh, nothing is up for debate when when I say this. Solomon Hill has the best Twitter account on the on the, on the, on the Atlanta Hawks team. So, there's that. Uh, we'll talk about Solo at a later date with Zach, who I will be begging to come back on more for more player capsules. But there's this episode, of course, that you just listened to. There's also Capella and Kongwu. Uh, we've talked about uh, Cam and Lou Williams. We have much more to come. We're only like a third of the way through. So Zach will be back in the near future. But uh, please follow him on the Twitter machine. Check out Peachtree Hoops, where there's great content being written on a daily basis. And subscribe to this podcast um, on the platform of your choice. We'll see you all next time.